Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Hello, hello. We have a Disney problematic fave episode for you today, which is kind of fun because we just got an Instagram message of somebody requesting this. Yeah. And we had already decided to do this one. I know. So that's really cool. It was really funny. I just texted back. I was like, huh, maybe we'll be doing one in a few days. I don't know. But I think wink, wink. I think she might actually be psychic. Oh, maybe so. I think she knows what we're doing before we know what we're doing. So we really should consult this person and be like, we're stuck. What do we do this week? And she's like, girl, you're going to do this. Oh, perfect. I yeah, know. She can be our consultant from now on. Exactly. So today we're going to be talking about what has been deemed in feminist circles to be the first and worst in terms of feminist icons in Disney movies. And that is... Snow White. Snow White. I would say, honestly, I'm more disturbed by things in other movies, I would say, than I am with Snow White. Oh, I don't know, man. Okay, so here's the deal. Snow White, I grew up watching Snow White. I loved this movie as a kid. Upon rewatch, I actually still enjoyed it. I enjoyed Oh, I thought it was movie. really boring. It's it is boring. It's it's far too long and I did fast forward through some of the like we're washing our hands for 20 minutes scene. Yes, you same. Know, like, I fast like, forwarded 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, yeah, 10 seconds. Yeah. I was like yeah. this is too much and we don't need this. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll get into it as far as talking about what's disturbing and what's not disturbing about this movie, but I will say as far as female characters go, I'm hard pressed to think of a Disney movie where the characters are less developed. Oh, and in that's particular, true. where the protagonist is less developed. She is given basically nothing. True. Like, we don't know anything about her other than that she likes to cook, clean, and she wants a boyfriend really bad. Yeah, that's well, all we got. For me, like when I think of just like problematic Disney movies, the first one that comes to my mind is Little Mermaid. Maybe it's because I know it so well. And the things like the physically taking of the voice and different things like that, the imagery is really powerful. Where I think in Snow White, it's like little comments and it's like the whole concept is fucked up it's not like there's little moments it's like the whole idea of the story is very misogynistic you have the idea of the woman wanting to be the fairest or the most beautiful of them all and having this grudge against someone who's young and beautiful you know that alone is problematic 
you know? Right. Okay, so let's recap this movie for people. I would assume that even if people have not seen this movie, and probably most people have since it was the first full-length animated Disney movie, uh, came out in 1937, I think some most people have some level of familiarity with this film. Uh, mm-hmm. But even if you don't have any familiarity with this film, you... <laughs> Madigan was just brought a glass of sangria, and oh my no, gosh... I don't know what this is. Honey, what is this? Oh my god! I love Ooh, an aperol spritz, delicious. He made me an aperol spritz. He just went to the liquor store because I wanted a cocktail, and we didn't have any more lemons and bubbly tonic water for a gin and tonic. This is my favorite drink. I love an aperol spritz. They're, They're amazing. My favorite. If you guys have never, if you are of age and have never had an aperol spritz, go to like any nice brunch place. And they can make, I mean, most bars have Aperol and can make an Aperol spritz. But my favorite is like going for lunch or brunch and having an Aperol spritz. I had one in Sun Valley at the Sun Valley Resort on top of a mountain. And it was luxurious and perfect. And I drank them at work all summer. <laughs> oh, amazing. So yeah, Sorry, I didn't I mean to interrupt. Gonna, you're fine. I was going to go get a Michelada. Um, but I was like, no, Keegan, finish your coffee first. Like, drink your coffee. So I've got iced coffee here. But I will have a Michelada after this. I haven't um, eaten anything yet either. So this is going to be fun. <laughs> I had Cocoa Pebbles for breakfast like a real adult. I had my coffee this morning, so I sat outside and didn't eat anything, and then it was time to record, so. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so what was I saying? I was saying even if you don't have a familiarity with this movie in particular, you probably have a familiarity with the fairy tale. So yes. we all know the general story, a old German fairy tale. You have a petty queen who, for some reason, is mothering Snow White. We have no idea where Snow White's father is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that is addressed in the actual story. She had to uh, kill him, right? The I mean, queen. I would. The queen in this movie, this movie was darker than I remembered. As oh, far yeah. As, like that character is very evil um but but yeah so we know this story there's a queen she for some reason being pretty is her main objective as queen i'm sure she wasn't a very good queen she's incredibly vain and every day she asks the mirror if she is the fairest of them all and every day the mirror says yes queen yes queen yes queen you are the fairest of them all until one day it's like wait a second Snow White's a woman now, so she's fair game, and she is the fairest of them all. And so, of course, the queen sends the huntsman to go kill Snow White. So everybody is kind of familiar with this story, but it was adapted in 1937 into the first full-length film, and Madigan was going to tell us a little bit about that. I have, like, just a few fun facts. So this was not only... Not only was it, like, a huge box office success but it was the highest grossing sound film to date until gone with the wind in 1939 so that was two years later but like that's still a pretty good amount of time to where there could have been other movies to come out where it would have been more popular wizard of oz came out shortly before gone with the wind for perspective (laughs) snow white did better than the wizard of oz all right uh walt disney was awarded eight special academy awards i think a lot of people know this he was awarded one regular size statue for his work for snow white and then he received seven smaller matching statues to represent each of the dwarves um and my favorite fun facts 
are that the voice of Snow White, her name is Adriana Casaletti, Casaletti, she was in The Wizard of Oz. If you listen to the song, If I Only Had a Heart, when the woman goes, uh, wherefore art thou, Romeo? That is Adriana Casaletti. Wow, is her voice annoying in this movie. I have to say. She and the prince have the most annoying voices I've ever heard in my life, and that's why they're perfect for each other. One last thing. It's (laughs) horrifying. At the premiere, Judy Garland was there. Apparently. Wow, I mean, that makes sense. It makes sense. She was a celebrity at this time. She was young, too, so that makes sense. But I, I thought that was funny that they mentioned that on Wikipedia. And you know, if there's ever a time for me to mention Judy or The Wizard of Oz in any way, you know I'm going to do it. I do. But if there's one thing we can expect from Madigan, it is that. (laughs) So let's recap this film a little bit. Now that we have kind of like the basic idea of what this movie is about, let's kind of go in more deeply. So let's tear this thing apart. Yeah, let's rip it to shreds. So the film opens. First of all, the first line in this movie is slave. <laughs> the evil queen is looking in the mirror and she says something like slave trapped in this mirror on the wall tell me who's the fairest of them all and this mirror is like hey it's snow white actually he doesn't even say it's snow white he's like there is somebody fairer than you and she's like bitch who and, and he he's just like, like describes her describes her and the queen's like it must be snow white so, well, he says okay. he says skin as fair as snow or something like that. Well, that could right, be yes. more obvious. If he was trying to be subtle, he did a really bad job of it. Hair as dark as ebony. Yeah. Lips as red as rose. Skin as white as snow. Which, again, not again, but I guess we should address the obvious problem with equating beauty to skin color. And also, this film is obsessed with whiteness to the point where you name the protagonist after her very pale skin and it's part of what makes her so beautiful exactly so and and to me too it's interesting that it's not even just mentioning her fair skin it's skin as white as snow which to me is also like making a comment on like colorism a bit like having the skin be as light as possible to be as fair as possible i don't know if this was like at the forefront of any of their minds while making this. I'm sure a lot of this wasn't, but there is such an obvious uh, representation of a lot of the views of that time. And right. I mean, and, and also it is based on an old fairy tale of the same name. So historically, of course, whiteness has been prized of course. Uh, as something that is beautiful. Uh, but there is also this element of, We have two female characters in this movie. Yeah. And one of them is so naive and stupid, and that is Snow White. Uh, And the other is far more interesting and makes far more active decisions, but she is extremely jealous, Mm -hmm. vain, and petty. So we have two female characters in this movie um, on opposite sides of the spectrum. It's almost kind of like a horror Madonna complex right exactly they're showing they're showing two different sides of an ideal woman or how society views a woman you are either this virginous snow white character or you're on the other side and you are jealous of the young and the beautiful and you're vindictive and you want to take them down like they're showing two different sides of how society views women the old hag the beautiful young right yes there's honestly it's three and 
all three are represented here. Yeah. There is the old hag, which comes into play later on. There is the older um, vixen. And then there is the young virginal Snow White. Yeah. So the first time you see Snow White, she is dressed in rags because mm-hmm. her jealous ass stepmom has turned her into a scullery maid and she is cheerfully cleaning the steps yeah. in front of the castle or in the courtyard. Yes. And it sets this precedent right away that housework is fun for Snow White. Like, oh, yes. You can tell that it was supposed to be a punishment, but she looks like she's having a great Time. Well, and I got to say, she makes a really smart decision in singing. Now, it's a bad decision for her because her singing voice is awful. I'm sorry. It Heinous. Te- like, it's truly bad. It's hard it looks, it on my ears. Like a, it sounds like a mediocre high school soprano. Yeah. Like, it's bad. Not good. So, not like, so yes, she should not have sang. Probably shouldn't have happened. But I got to say, if I'm singing while I'm doing chores, if I'm treating my broom like it's a dance partner, if I've got some Judy Garland playing and I'm pretending that I'm performing at Carnegie Hall, I'm cleaning so quickly. So I think that I wonder if she's just adapted to this situation show so well, being tormented by her stepmother that she's like, well, as is life, I guess I sing my song and clean now. <laughs> well, and I have to say, I think I would enjoy cleaning and cooking a whole lot more if woodland creatures just constantly helped me with all of my work. Oh, exactly. It's just like, we'll get into this later, but she's cleaning the dwarves house later. And I'm like, you're doing maybe 20% of the work. It's and true. like the woodland animals are doing the rest of the work. That is true. Okay, so she is singing and she's singing into a wishing well uh, about the things that she wants. And of course... Wait, can I do an impression? Yes, please. Into a wishing well. That sounds exactly like her. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> That's how she sounds. But of course, her only objective, her only desire in life is to get a boyfriend. She's like, I just well, want to find a dude. I want to find a prince. Yes. And she, so that's what she's singing into this wishing she well. She wants to find a dude and she wants to find a prince because she wants him to save her from where she is now, which is also bad because it's then saying that she needs someone like only a man could come to save her and take her away she from has this life. No agency whatsoever in this movie. No, because like, honestly, she when makes- she runs away, she runs away and she can ha- like, I don't know. She's, Maybe there's Stockholm syndrome or, syndrome or abuse. I'm not trying to sound like inconsiderate here, but like, bitch. <laughs> she makes almost no active decisions in this whole movie. And honestly, the active decisions that she does make are detrimental to her. Mm-hmm. Like, she's actually only okay when other people are making decisions for her. Like, that's the message that's being said. Oh, it's true. It's true. So she is singing into this wishing well and the prince, Prince Florian, he hears her singing and is so drawn to her for whatever reason, because honestly, that voice, that he scales a wall to see her, then is introduced in the creepiest way possible, which is like sneaking up behind her and also singing. And then he's like, I'm sorry, did I scare you? And can she we, runs away. Can we pre- replay this situation in today's day and age just for a second? It's let's like horrifying. Let's imagine this right now, Keegan. 
you are, let's say you are in your garden. Let's say you live in a home, you have a big backyard, you've got a fence and you're in your garden and you're by yourself and everything's cool. And you're just kind of like humming a tune to yourself. You've got your headphones on, you're singing some Taylor Swift. I don't know what you're singing when you're listening to your headphones, Keegan. Maybe it's show tunes. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you sing a line and someone fucking repeats it right behind you. They scale the fence into your property and start repeating. That's a crazy person. That is a person that needs to be locked up. And then they're like, I'm sorry, did I frighten you? It's like, yes, of course you did. Why are you running away? Of course you did. But, and also the movie frames it as though she isn't frightened because he did something super creepy she's concerned because she doesn't think she looks pretty yeah because she like runs away and then she's like i'm wearing rags he cannot see my face yeah and i'm like you're literally the prettiest person in the entire kingdom yep so says the mirror and you're concerned about being in like maybe i'm dressed a little shabby so well she right runs and the away. other thing that i that i that i saw when i watched the movie was his persistence and we did so when we started, we did an episode on Relentless Pursual and the sound quality was horrible. So we never put it up, but I still have the memory of what we said in my head thinking that we'd put the episode up. But that made me think of this Relentless Pursual. She ran away. She obviously is sending signals that she does not want you to keep following her and seeing to her. He doesn't know that she's prettying herself up. He sees her running away inside and hiding and he's like, don't hide and keep singing again it's like the men who like keep following you and you're walking your dog why won't you talk to me why won't you talk to me that's what i saw when i saw that too and then that bit of it is problematic and the other problematic part of of that moment is also this instant love connection right like these two people do not know each other like literally have not said any words to get to each other in the beginning of the movie correct me if i'm wrong but I just watched it this morning and I'm fairly certain in the beginning of the movie, when they meet, they sing to each other like she's up in the tower and he's down on the, f- the ground, but they don't speak any words to to each other with the exception of him asking her if she's scared. They literally don't speak to each other. And yet we're supposed to believe that they are instantly connected, instantly in love. And it feels like this very heteronormative relationship, romantic relationship is shoehorned into this fairy tale, even though it's supposed to be kind of the point of the fairy tale is like true love's first kiss and all that stuff. But there is no relationship development between these characters whatsoever at all (laughs) as we know this is a very common thing that disney did and honestly this was done from 1937 up until what year did frozen come out 2015 2014 something Something like that like that. that was the first time that disney ever kind of made fun of themselves with that i think that with tangled you know, that relationship took longer to form. And, you know, there have been some, and and Brave as well, where she wouldn't pick a mate at all. So obviously there have been a lot of um, corrections to that. But until recently, this immediate love was really common. And I think that their defense would be, well, we only have so much time to tell this story. Okay, but they spent like 25 minutes on a hand-washing scene, which we'll talk about later. That is true. But... I feel like this example of that trope, which is used, uh, like you said, over and over again in these Disney movies, this instant love connection, it was especially bad in this movie. Like, it was 
so much worse. It was within seconds. Within seconds, and they don't talk to each other basically at all, which we'll we'll get into because I they feel don't like even later sing, on they don't even sing together. They sing at each other when they're scared, and then that's it. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I feel like even in other movies that came later, like other early Disney princess movies like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, they at least had some kind of direct physical interaction with each other. Where What about Little Mermaid? Little Mermaid was the first one where they're like, we're going to show some kind of development of personality between the two, which might indicate that possibly they could be compatible. But, but she she's does not say speaking. she loves him before she meets him. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, I mean, and OK, we should also address their ages. OK, yes. because I Googled it because I'm like, God damn, Snow White is so naive and she seems very young. And then I started thinking like, why all of a sudden is the mirror like, hey, there's a new maiden in the land who's the fairest of the land. Exactly. And so why I'm like, today? OK, she she must have come of age. Yeah. Like that must be what it is. It's like she's a woman now. It's like she had her period and then they were like, all right, she's fair game. Oh my God. And also, I was looking at her and I'm like, she doesn't have, when you compare her to the figures of um, later Disney princesses, she doesn't have any real development. Like if you look at her next to the evil queen, the evil queen has breasts, has hips, and Snow White doesn't have any breasts to speak of. And so I Googled it because I was like, how old is she supposed to be? Can I guess? Because I think I heard this a long time ago. Go ahead. 14? 14. She is supposed to be 14 years old. Do you want to guess how old Prince Florian is? 21. 31. (gasps) Oh! No. Mm -hmm. That's the common consensus online is that he is supposed to be 31. Now, I have seen some people argue that he is possibly younger, but it ranges between mid-20s to 31-ish. So regardless, it doesn't matter. She's a literal child. (laughs) A literal child. She probably got her period the night before and the mirror is creepy and fucking knows and was like... Snow White can make babies now. She's a woman now. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that is disturbing. And also, it's very clear to me that she is supposed to be a child, which is another thing that is disturbing. Like, she's written that way. Yeah, and it's not only in her physique, but it's also in the way she dresses. The very, like, it's almost very, like, young child. Like, you know, the very empire-waisted skirts and the puffy sleeves and the bow in the hair. Like, it's very innocent. Yes, and just the way she behaves, like the way she acts and speaks is she knows extremely, nothing. extremely childlike. Uh, and that to me is very disturbing that she was written that way. They very easily could have upped her age uh, because her, even, even in the 19- Making her a little bit more intelligent, just a little bit, you know? Right, because even in the 1930s, a 14-year-old getting married, especially to a grown adult, was not the norm. That yeah. wasn't like a normal thing. So it's kind of strange to me. They modernized this story uh, for the 1930s in a lot of ways, but that's not one of the ways they modernized it. And right. that's strange to me. Okay, so she's met the prince. They've fallen in love somehow. <laughs> and at this point, the evil queen calls the huntsman over who has a very unfortunate haircut. It's um, it's she, a quarantine haircut if I've ever seen one. That's what I wrote. It's a 
bowl cut mm-hmm. for sure. So she calls him over and she's like, hi, listen, I'm going to need you to do this thing for me. Can you please take Snow White, go pick some wildflowers? And he's like, good, good. All on board. Sounds mm-hmm, nice. Mm-hmm. And then kill her in the forest. And he's like, wait, what? And then the she's princess? like, no. And I really don't trust you. So I'm going to give you this really beautiful box with a sword through the heart. And I want you to put her heart in this box. So not only just kill her, I want you to cut her open, take her heart with your bare hands, place it in a box and bring it to me. That's some sadistic shit, everybody. That is fucking but nuts. But do you think she had that box made? Like, she must have. That is a She had that box made specifically for that purpose. Or at least, like, for a heart. Like, she didn't know yeah. whose heart it was. Maybe she has, like, 20 of them, and she's, like, killed a lot of... Oh, my God, I just remembered. Have you ever seen uh, Once Upon a Time on ABC? Yes. Okay, doesn't, yeah. doesn't the queen in that show keep the hearts... Maybe she I can't does. remember. She collects hearts of people. I remember well, this now, sense. and they like glow. That would make sense because she also does have like a full on basement dungeon slash chemistry lab in her <laughs> castle. Yeah, but so she she sends the huntsman off. I think Cinderella. I know what that dungeon is for, though. By the way. Oh, sex dungeon? I, look at how they made her. I wouldn't be surprised if she gets an on. No, she she is supposed to be a vixen. Also, that dungeon is a disaster. There are skeletons everywhere. No one ever housekeeps that dungeon. Well, yeah, she must not let Snow White down there. No. So Snow White is off picking wildflowers, singing, chatting with a bird, you know, well, the normal. What we do on a daily basis, really. Honestly, this movie gave me very unrealistic expectations about my relationship with woodland creatures. Like, I was True no story. wonder I was just like, why is this bird running away from me? I'm trying to help you. You know what I mean? <laughs> why doesn't this bird anyway. want to sing with me when I sing at it? I used to always yeah. I would sing like a do 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 like I would try to like repeat with birds and pigeons are like, no thank you. But anyways, yeah, so I get it. I get the talking to birds thing, and it's very unfortunate that we can't do it. Or just all animals. I mean, every animal in this movie is, like, all about Snow White. She has clearly some kind of magic connection. She does, yes. I I don't understand. I would love that to be spoken about as well. Why does she have this magical connection to animals? I want to know more about Snow White's backstory. Why is she uneducated? Where's her dad? Could we know literally anything about her? That's the problem with this movie is there's zero character development of our main protagonist. And her name is Snow White, too, which is literally only defining one part of her. We have nothing to go off of. No, we have zero. She's just a dumb bitch, which honestly is probably why I don't feel like I was laughing through this next scene. But continue. Okay, so the huntsman is like, all right, now's the time. Hand is shaking. He's like, I am going to murder you. She turns around and is like, ah, what's happening? And he's like, I can't do it. You're just so pretty. Run away. And it takes a lot of convincing for him. Like, he's like, your stepmom is trying to murder you. You need to run away. And she does, finally. This next scene, the way that Snow White moves throughout the movie just in general, but it is so over-the-top, feminine, flirty. It's like if you've ever seen, what's that movie with Amy Adams? Enchanted. Enchanted. It's it's very much like the way she moves 
I think is emulated right after Snow White because that is how she moves. And she is running wrists. I've got to say, she's she's messy in this whole scene. She's just messy, messy, messy. Like, girl, if you think of her being 14, I'm like, okay, I probably would feel this way, too. So she's running through the forest. But she's like a mat. She's just screaming. So I don't know. I guess I'd be screaming, too. But it was very annoying to me. And I was laughing at how she was running and screaming and how everything was turning into like scary faces. And I'm like, girl, you're fine. Come on now. It's definitely annoying, but if you put it into the context of a 14-year-old, I I think that's how you have to look at it, is like she is a literal child who was just almost murdered. True. And so then she's running through the forest, and she is screaming horribly all the way through this. And I think the part that made it funny for me... Because actually, the imagery is is quite scary. It is. It's super scary. Yeah, and especially for the time, uh, the animation is amazing. Like it's it's visually stunning. You know what I love is the water in this movie. I'm always so impressed by how animators make water look so beautiful. And there are some scenes where the water doesn't look like this, but if it's a close up, the reflections and everything are so perfect. It's so good. Yeah, I would say water and sky. They did an amazing job um, with both water and sky in the animation. But this scene is actually pretty scary and it probably was pretty frightening for children at the time because it's like the trees are coming to life. uh, Everything is, is very scary to her. But the thing that I found to be somewhat amusing is that, okay, we have a fight or flight response typically Mm -hmm. and at first she is fleeing she's running but then she becomes so overwhelmed by fear that her response is just to collapse like she just collapses she throws herself to the ground well that's another kind of like disney thing it's the princess that throws herself onto an object to cry whether it be a rock or their bed or something like that is such a common disney thing where the princess covers her face laying on the ground and you just see her body shaking with sobs but thank god her good friends the woodland creatures are here for her and so even she's out, kind of like, like scared at first that she they're kind of like they're kind of scared of her she's almost kind of like weary of them and they're like oh we're friends yeah she's like sorry for making such a fuss i'm like well okay you don't need to apologize you were literally almost just murdered but it's fine so she's like hey is there anywhere i can sleep around here and they're like for sure so they lead her through the woods to a cute little cottage she lets herself in just straight up breaking and entering she's like this is a good idea this is some goldilocks style i wish which i wonder which one came first because this was like she walks in she sees all the little beds breaking and entering i'm like I see some Goldilocks trends and she absolutely she walks in and she looks at everything and she immediately assumes that they are children and she looks around the home and sees how messy it is. So her first thought, of course, is that these poor children must be orphans and they have no mother. They're unable to care for themselves. They need a mommy. And it's like, yes, if, if there are seven small children living in the woods by themselves, yes, they need a mother figure. And Snow White, that's very kind of you for want to take on that role. But even when she, okay, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about the dwarves when we come to them. Do you want to talk more about the lovely cleaning of this home, Keegan, and how it takes her like 30 minutes of song in this movie? 
It's true. Okay, so I will say, as far as the unnecessarily long scenes go, uh, I actually like the cleaning scene. I think it's cute because all of the woodland animals help to clean uh, the house. And I've always thought that that was like so cute and innovative, the way that they had each animal um, participate. I like watching. I've always thought it was like super I liked watching the, the sweeping under the rug. And I liked yes, the, I, the, the, the clothing, the laundry. I like the one of the um, chipmunks or one of those animals, a squirrel, is using its tail as a dish rag on its tail and it's like cleaning the plates. Oh, and it's spinning I love that. to dry the plates. Yeah. Yes. I think that that's so cute. And or they're cleaning up the cobwebs with their tails. Yes. It's so cute. I, watching that scene made me so angry that I couldn't do this in real life. I always joke that if I could build my own robot, I would build a robot to do dishes for me because it's my least favorite thing to do on the planet. And I, you guys would be amazed at how many dishes I have to do daily, honestly. It's my least favorite thing, for and me, I do it all the time. It's folding laundry. I hate folding laundry more than anything else. I'd rather do dishes than fold laundry. Oh, Ugh. I would rather clean the toilet than do dishes. And I would rather do laundry than do dishes. Well, Snow White seems to have no problem with any of it because she immediately was like, let's clean this house, which look great. Honestly, I'd be like, if somebody wants to break into my house and clean, sounds okay with me, but it's incredibly disorienting and you shouldn't just make this decision that like you can go into someone else's house and like fuck with all their stuff because that's what she does. She goes in and she like messes with all their shit, cleans everything, gets dinner started, and then is like, you know what? I'm going to go take a nap. And gets in one of the beds. She gets in three of them because they're tiny little beds. And so she lays across three of them. And this is when she notices all of the names of all of the dwarves because they are etched into each bed. So the dwarves are Doc, Sleepy, Sneezy, Grumpy, Dopey, Happy, and... Doc. Bashful. 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 Who are your favorite dwarves? Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, I really relate to Sleepy. Like, I feel so bad for Sleepy because I'm like, God, can you imagine going through life being that tired all the time? That's true. So tired. He should really get that checked out by a doctor. So I relate. And Doc is in the house. Why isn't Doc? And Doc, why can't Doc speak proper English? I think he's supposed to be the smartest one. And like, he can't speak. Nope. Barely at all. He gets mixed up constantly. Um, Grumpy is fully a men's rights activist yes. so we can address that um dopey is he supposed to be a child like i'm unclear i don't think he's supposed he's, to be a child i think that he maybe just had some growth and development because when they ask when snow white asks why he doesn't talk they just say he's never tried but he's also smooth which like everyone else is like got huge beards and he's in clothes that are way too big for him like i don't understand that's a good Why point. Maybe he's supposed so to be. I don't know. I never thought of him as being a baby. I just think that maybe maybe he's the baby of the dwarves and he just has this very childlike personality and appearance. I don't know. But maybe. I found a new love for Bashful watching it this time. Bashful's just horny. Like, I just think Bashful's horny. Oh, I, didn't, I don't know. Uh, yes, I don't... he's horny, but I found. But like, there's certain moments where he seems 
cute to me where I was always very much on the dopey train. I think most kids were because he was just this goofy, didn't talk, dumb, childlike He's the thing. most childlike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but I kind of gained a new respect for Bashful. Like, he's kind of cute. But when you say, when you say it like that. Well, I mean, they're all horny. Yeah. Like seriously, like which we'll get to. Yeah. Okay. So we are introduced to the dwarves and they work in a mine. What they do with the jewels that they mine from this cave, unclear. They put it in a vault. Again. They put them in a vault. I wonder if they're saving them to one day have their fortune. Yeah. Is this the same universe as like the Hobbit? Are they just like hoarding wealth for some reason? It's unclear. Yeah. Again, there is no character development whatsoever. None. Um with these characters Although either. I have to Even, say, I think Grumpy has the biggest character arc of everybody in the film, and it's small. It Truly, yes. Yeah, truly it is. Also, I mean, we weren't even going to touch upon... Uh, I would really like to know what little people think of this portrayal. That's a great And whether point. or not they believe it to be a problematic portrayal um, or not. I, so I'm if you have insight on that, let us know. Great, I'm wondering what the intention of the dwarves were what they what they were intended to represent are they representing little people because to me they look like living garden gnomes yes. so to me like i feel like i wish they'd almost called them like the seven gnomes or something because they kind of look like that to me they almost don't seem like real people but maybe that's the problem maybe they are i think that is trying the to show them as being little people and instead they're showing them as being these caricatures of almost like these gnomes. Cause to me, I never even thought of it that way. Of Well, I think it was a pretty common theme. Well, yeah. Also look at wizard of Oz. Like I think it's a, a pretty common theme to almost um, fetishize is the wrong word, but they are treating these, they are classifying a type of people as being fairy tale esque yes. uh, and not human really, which is, Problematic. Well, and it's um, also giving them kind of questionable personality traits and lack thereof because the dwarves, well, like nobody in this movie really has any autonomy whatsoever, but the dwarves especially cannot care for themselves, do not speak well, like they are complete, like they're on una- they're unable to do a thing for themselves. They're completely incapable. Right. And I'm unclear if that's because they're dwarves or if that's because they're men. Like, it's unclear to me. I think the point of it was to be because they're men. Yes, I think so. Where it's just like men are because she thinks they're children. Yeah, that's how we're looking at men in this movie. Right. Her relationship with men is that they cannot take care of themselves. They are completely incapable of cleaning their own house. Yeah. So (laughs) they need a woman to step in and do it for them. Exactly. Uh, So the dwarves come home. They almost pickaxe her to death. Yes. Uh, because they're like, hey, somebody's in our fucking house. And then she turns over and they're like, wait, she's hot. Mm-hmm. Hold on. She's pretty. Well, actually, so we can't kill her. They say she's pretty. But what they say, and I have this written here. So when they notice that it's a woman, 
let's see who says this. I believe it was Doc that's the one that realizes that she's a girl. Yeah. And mm-hmm. everybody's kind of going through like, oh, she's pretty. Oh, she's great. Oh, well, we can't kill her. She looks like an angel. Like an angel. And then Grumpy steps in and he goes, she's female. And all females is poison. They're all full of wicked wiles. And then one of them is like, what is wicked wiles? And he's like, like he's just like. He says he doesn't know, but it's bad, basically. He just knows girls are bad. Women are bad. They're poison. You're bringing poison into this house. So he's like, yes, let's go ahead and kill this person. But because six out of seven of these dwarves were like, but she's a pretty female. Let's keep her. And she's gonna make us pie. Like, basically, she promises to make them gooseberry pie. Is She's like, I'm gonna make you some gooseberry pie. And they're like, hooray, let's keep her around. But, you know, to Grumpy's credit, okay, not that I want to give credit to what is clearly an MRA in this, um, in this story, yeah. but... To his credit, she's like, hey, I need to stay here because my stepmom wants to kill me. And they're like, yeah, she needs to stay here because her stepmom wants to kill her. And Grumpy's like, your stepmom is the evil queen and she's a witch and she's got black magic and she'll be able to find you here. Yeah. And she's like, she won't find me here. Literally, Snow White's like, there's no way she's going to be able to find me here. Just let me stay and I'll make you pies. And everybody's like, hooray. Yeah, she puts these boys in danger. Absolutely. Absolutely. So she's like, hey, dinner's ready. Let's come down and eat dinner. So she goes down to eat dinner and she's like, hey, can you guys wash up before dinner? And they're like, hell fucking no. They act like washing their hands is the worst thing they could possibly fucking do. Well, they try to lie. Never done it before. They've never done it before. Clearly why they own soap unclear so but the thing for me is that like this was another obvious representation of snow white having to mother these men what we can only assume are full-grown men honestly Mm -hmm. so she's 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 a virginal young hot mommy yeah that's what she is like they've put all of these tropes about women into one character she's young she's a innocent virginal cooks cleans and will also be your mommy so right, but I, it's what, everything you could want. Right. But what I was going to say is that I feel like the scene where they all lie to her and say that, oh, well, we washed up earlier and she has them all in a line and show their hands and things like that. I thought that was just another very like obvious physical representation of that, of her having to take care of these men. There's no growth whatsoever within them being able to care for themselves during this film. No. No, she has to cook for them. How they made it to this point uh, is, I don't know. They I don't understand how they've made so it here. so bad. Yeah, I'm sure that house smelled terrible. Yeah. So there is then a 20-minute hand-washing scene. That in I which fast-forwarded through about 17 minutes of. I fast-forwarded through a good bit of it as well. I'm glad I watched part of it, though, because through the entire thing... Grumpy is just talking about how evil women are for like a solid 15 minutes. Oh, like, God. Why like, did I fast? For- I was just so bored. I couldn't do it anymore. So I fast forwarded it. It was unnecessarily long. But like the whole time Grumpy is like, oh, she's got you now. See, she's already making you do things. Females is evil, like basically through the whole thing. So, it, yeah. So they end up washing up. They eat. She goes to bed. You know, they give her their beds yeah um and so she goes to bed and in her nighttime prayers she prays 
to make Grumpy like her. Mm -hmm. Which I'm like, if that's not a representation of like, why is it on us to make the men who treat us like shit like like us? us? You know what I mean? Uh, So so that's part of her evening prayers. Right. Her only two dreams both have to do with men. One, she wants the attention and the love from and the saving from the other man in her life. She just wants him to like and respect her. So she is willing to do whatever it is she can to, you know, not for herself, but to make this other person like her. I mean, her main objective is to be likable and loved. Yeah. And I do think that it is really problematic that we have this representation of a female protagonist who represents such a rigid idea of femininity in that you need to be kind, polite, to a fault, to the point where you are so naive that it will get you killed, right? Right. Kind, polite, likable, lovable. You need to enjoy cleaning and cooking and do these things without complaint. Yes. Right? And you don't want any desires of your own outside of finding another man getting married. And finding another man to cook and clean for. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That is literally, those are your only goals in life. Well, we And that's what you should strive for. Yep. And that's what will make you lovable and beautiful. And that's not only that, but that's also what's going to make you happy. The whole point of this, if you really look down, is that Snow White's trying to find her place in the world and be happy. And to her, the only ways of being happy are to please the men around her. And that's honestly really sad. And to get married. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, your only goal as a woman should be to find a husband to cook and clean for. That's, those are your only goals. Yep. And if you have other goals or ambitions, like the evil queen, who we're about to go back to, if you have other ambitions or if you make active decisions, because the evil queen does actually, even though they're evil decisions, she does make active choices mm-hmm. in her own life, whereas Snow White makes no active choices right. um, at all. Things just kind of happen to her. So we go back to the evil queen and the evil queen is told by the magic mirror that Snow White is still alive and that she was given a pig's heart. So evil queen is pissed. She goes down into her basement dungeon and is like, what can I do to kill Snow White? Because now she knows exactly where they are. Just like Grumpy said, the mirror told her exactly where they were. So she comes up with this idea. She's like, okay, which we need to address this as well. She wants to trick Snow White into eating this poison apple, and she needs a disguise to do it, obviously. Why, in God's name, did she choose the scariest disguise? Like, why was she like, you know how I can get this girl to open the door for me? Dress as, like, the most terrifying witch ever. That'll do it. That won't scare the shit out of her. Can I tell you one more, one more little thing about Maddie? Yes. Young Maddie was very scared of the old witch. Very scared of the old witch. I had many a nightmare involving the old witch growing up, and they all came flooding back to me watching this movie. She's Well, she's horrifying. supposed to be scary. Yeah. If, That's what I don't understand. If I were the queen, like, she see, has she seen the prince? Because what would have been dope is if she, if she had transformed into the prince and then offered the apple. That would have been genius. It would have been smart, and she's seen the prince. 
she has seen the prince because she was standing, she was full of jealousy, standing in the window watching the two of them sing at each You're other right. in the beginning of the movie. So she has seen the prince. Or, I mean, there were so many other disguises she could have chosen. And we see her actively put this disguise together where she's like, oh, I'm going to use a witch's cackle and I'm going to use, you know, a old old hag voice. Like she picks these elements on purpose. And I'm so confused as to why um because i would not it would not make me feel comfortable no. if i saw this person yeah this uh, this alone wardrobe in the house. these wardrobe choices wouldn't be my first right the task so we at see hand. her we see her transform from beautiful evil vixen into scary old hag which is another um you know trope that is used for women yes. uh, oftentimes so well, and it's very sets- much the the old representation of what a witch is the interesting thing about snow white is that this was one of the first times that a witch was seen as beautiful usually witches in movies were these old scary you know hook-nosed women so it's interesting that she doesn't turn into that trope until until later because typically if you have magic you are ugly especially if you have dark magic you're ugly where she's very beautiful through most of the movie and she transforms herself into kind of the external version of what she is on the inside yeah or what they would classify that as right so she sets off uh to go find snow white and in the meantime it's morning at the dwarves house and Not only Doc, but also Grumpy tell her, hey, your stepmom is probably looking for you. Do not let anybody into this fucking house. They're like, don't let anyone in here. She's like, "Okay, sounds good. Gives all of them a kiss on the top of the head, which makes them all horny. Yep. For sure. Um, And then they set off to work. Work, And she... Right. Work, work, work. Dig, hi dig, ho, dig, hi ho. Dig, dig, dig. Yep, we get it. You're going <laughs> to work. You're coming home from work. We know. But by the way, we got their it. commute is intense. It seems oh, like yeah. a long commute. It does, yes, because like at in the beginning of the movie when they're coming home from work, it's like they start coming home from work when the sun is still up and they get home when it's dark exactly. outside. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, so. She is making pies. She's living her best life. Her woodland animals are helping her make a pie for Grumpy because, of course, got to make Grumpy like you. Well, is this one? Let's not reward the guys who were being nice to you. Now, is this? Yes. We've already, we missed the part where when she's kissing all of them goodbye, she goes to kiss Grumpy. And at first he's like, I don't need a kiss. And he kind of walks away and she kind of forces himself, herself onto him to give him a kiss and then he walks away with hearts in his eyes and suddenly he's okay with Snow White because she gave him a kiss oh she can't be that bad and of course you know once she sees this he's like oh I'm still grumpy though don't think I've softened up too much but that's kind of grumpy's character development there he goes from being this person who only talks badly about women and Snow White but yet when he is kissed by a pretty girl his thoughts of women are changed Right, which is a very incel kind of mindset. It is. If it's we just would like, just if, kiss the grumpy people, maybe right. they would be nicer. If a woman nicer. would only fuck me, yes, then I, <laughs> then I would be a nicer person. I I mean to you because I can't get what I want out of you, uh, in general. So she is making a pie for grumpy, and this witch. She it startles Snow White as it should, yes. because she's like going about her day. She's making this pie. She looks up and this witch is like, what's up in the window, <laughs> like right in the window of her cottage. 
well, what she says to her, actually, the first words she says to Snow White are, are you alone, my pet? Yep. <laughs> I would burn the house down. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's the m- t- most terrifying thing you could say to a woman who's alone. Oh, definitely. But Are you alone, my pet? But, ex- but that's the thing is that Snow White is so innocent and naive. If you think of a child Stupid. who maybe hasn't been told by their parents, you know, back in the old days or whatever, you know, don't talk to strangers. To her, she's trying to be polite. She's trying to not... She's being accommodating. She's yes. not trying to and, elevate and the situation. She's trying to make this woman feel... And also, it's an old woman. She's appealing to that part of it as well, that caretaker side. Right, absolutely. Yes, and the evil witch is clearly playing on her naivete. And again, we're supposed to look at this as one of Snow White's more positive attributes that she is so trusting and kind. Right. She's kind. I think like, if we had to um, give kind of like a positive uh, word for each Disney princess, Snow White's would probably be kind. She's like, nice. that's her thing. She's supposed to be really sweet and nice, which I get, but you were explicitly told twice by two different of the men who live in, in, in this house that you are staying at, not to let anybody inside. Yeah, and it's not your house. Why are you inviting people in? You are a guest in that home. Excuse me? Yes, exactly. No, she is very entitled. I will say that. Like, she treats this place, like, from the very beginning well, she's when a she princess. goes in and starts cleaning. Yeah, yes, she's incredibly entitled. Um, But so she is talking to the 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 queen. The queen's like, hey, what you making there? And she's like, gooseberry pie. And the queen's like, wouldn't you prefer to make an apple pie? Look at this beautiful apple. Mm. And Snow White's like, that is a beautiful apple, actually. And her woodland creatures are like, this is not okay. Yeah, they like, try, some shit is about to go down. They try to attack the queen, the witch, they, the old... Yeah, they try to save her. They try to save her. The, the, the things in this movie that have been nothing but accommodating and helpful and loving she yells at them she yells at them for harassing an old woman now come on i trust animals more than i trust human beings if if my dog is barking at someone walking by i know i don't want to speak with that person if i've got birds cawing at a person i'm like "Uh uh-uh not going near that especially this especially these animals and this person is like in this scary animals these animals have been Nothing but good to you. These animals are quite literally your best friends. Mm -hmm. Like they are your best friends. You should know that they have your best interest at heart. Exactly. And they wouldn't. You know these animals. They're not just going to attack somebody for no fucking reason. Mm -hmm. Right. So the birds start attacking the old lady. Snow White runs out of the house to help her up. And the old lady's like, now's my opportunity. Yep. She's like, oh my God, my heart. My heart That's what she says. She's heart. like, my heart, my heart. Can I please Can come in and rest? let me inside and get me a glass of water? Oh my gosh. So Snow White's like, hell yeah. So she brings her inside. <laughs> hell yeah, I will. And hell yeah, I can help you. And the animals are like, this dumb bitch. So they run all the way. All these animals run all all the way to the dwarves and they start trying to pull the dwarves to Snow White. By the way, I mentioned the long commute. How the fuck do they get there so quickly? I mean, they're fast four legs. That's true. But no, not the animals, the dwarves. Because the dwarves obviously don't get there in time, but they get there a hell of a lot faster, I've got to say, than their commute home from work. Yeah. I mean, maybe they rode some of the deer or something. Who knows? I want to see that. I want to see that part of the movie. I do too. It's in the deleted scenes. (laughs) So the witch at this point has presented 
the apple again to Snow White. And she this time says, hey, this is no ordinary apple. This is a wishing apple. Mm -hmm. So what would you like to wish for? And we also left out earlier, there was again a song and dance scene where the dwarves are playing music and Snow White is dancing for like 30 minutes, like way too long. Oh, but fun fact... The animation from that scene where she's dancing is also used in Sleeping Beauty and in Robin Hood. Robin Hood. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, they recycled the same They do um, it a lot. It's really interesting. So we learn in that scene uh, when they ask her to tell a story, that is whenever she tells them how much she is in love with the prince. He's the only one for her and she wants to end up with him even though they've literally not spoken any words to each other at all. So whenever she's presented with the wishing apple, the queen is like, hey, what's your wish? And she's like, my wish is to hook up with the hot prince. And the queen is like, cool. So eat this apple and then that will happen for you. So she's like, word. So she takes a bite of the apple and she immediately falls into the sleeping death. So the sleeping death is established earlier whenever this potion is being created and it basically doesn't kill her but knocks her out yes which if i'm the queen i would make sure she finished off you know i i mean i think i think it was that she liked the idea that snow white would be buried alive because she says it she cackles it twice that snow white is going to be buried alive because Uh. the only anecdote is true love's first kiss but she's like that's not going to happen because the dwarves will think she's dead and they will bury her alive. Exactly. So she's like, I'm not too worried about it. So at this point, all of the animals and the dwarves get home and the evil hag runs away. She runs away being chased by the animals and the dwarves. And this is where we establish the first of many Disney deaths by falling. So she falls off a cliff. She gets hit by lightning, actually. Yep. And then the cliff falls. She falls off a cliff. The boulder rolls on top of her. And then it's established that she is dead because the vultures are circling. And we're like, all right, she died. (laughs) She did. And they go back. They find Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty? Sorry. Same difference. They (laughs) find Snow White. (laughs) She's asleep. They think she's dead. But she is too hot to bury in the ground, uh, which the evil queen did not account for her hotness. That is exactly... we're "We're not going to bury her in the ground. That is exactly what I was telling my friends this morning because I was telling them what we were going to talk about. And I was like, the thing that pisses me off the most is they were like, she's too pretty to put in the ground. So let's put her in a glass box and watch her decay. Because that's what would happen. If you were to put my body in a glass, I mean, I guess you could preserve it, but still it's like, ugh. But they don't. They don't preserve it because at the end of the movie, they take the glass off of the top to let her of out. the coffin. Yeah. And it's also very strange because I think there's supposed to be a significant amount of time that has passed. It's supposed to be like a year or something. And I'm like, have they not noticed that she hasn't decomposed at all? Like, I didn't know it was supposed to very be strange. a year later. Yeah, I read something where they were like, it was a year later. So and this is the thing that, and that makes my next point even more confusing. How the fuck did this prince know that Snowy well, was the, dead? In the movie, they, in the movie, it says that he hears a rumor of a beautiful maiden in a glass coffin. And I'm like, okay. So you're gonna, but, 
So did you just go to look at her because you were like, this is a spectacle and we have nothing else to do because it's what, like 1500s in Germany I mean, and hot, you've got nothing to do? Hot girl in a glass box. Why not? Right. Why not take why a not? couple I days mean, trip? Yeah. Why not just go check it out? So he does. He rides over there. They move the glass off of the coffin. The dwarves do. Why? Not sure. Not sure. Very unclear as to why they do this. And very, very unclear as to why he's like, now's the time to give her a kiss. Yeah. And also, do <laughs> the dwarves she's know dead. the prince? They only know, they know of, of him. him through her story. But they don't know what he looks right. like. So why are they taking the glass off of this random dude? I don't know. I don't know. But it, this is the most perplexing part is like, you think she's dead. Why? Why are you kissing her? It's very strange. It is. I think, you know, this is interesting to me. And that is, this is the worst part of the movie to me is the, is the idea of consent, obviously. But it's an interesting idea of true love's first kiss being when the person is dead. Obviously, that shouldn't count. But there is like, I feel like there are times when somebody dies and you would kiss them on the forehead and things like that. But you wouldn't want to kiss them on the mouth. No, you know, like if someone had just passed and you and they're the love of your life and you love them so much and you just want a last moment with them that I understand. But to me, this is like she's been dead for a year. And you don't know you don't her. know her. That's the other part. And you she's 14. She's 14. And also the fact that if you truly believe she's dead and has been dead for a year to me, this teeters on necrophilia. Absolutely. We've got necrophilia pedophilia happening. It's very Oh, bad. yes. This guy is a pervert. And also, do they say his name? Do they say Florian ever in this movie? Because I had no idea that was I his name. I don't think so. I think it's in the credits. Uh, but that's I, right. they don't I read, ever say it. That's right. I was reading um, the Medium article that both you and I read. And they were talking about um, named characters and unnamed characters. So, yeah, he's never... Like if, if someone were to say Prince Florian out of context to me, I would have no idea who you're talking about. Right. Because, again, none of these characters have any character development. I would say probably Grumpy has the most followed maybe by the evil queen. At least she has an objective, like that a very clear right. objective that we understand. You know what I mean? Whereas most other characters don't have that. So he kisses Snow White. Snow White wakes up and then he literally, again, they don't speak to each other. It's so weird. It is so weird because they don't talk to each other. He literally just, she wakes up, he picks her up, loads her onto his horse like a sack of flour or something. It's so strange. He just like picks her up, puts her on her yep. his horse and then lifts each of the dwarves up because for some reason now she's like, I guess I'm property of this guy now. So exactly. I have to say goodbye to all of you. Well, and the other <laughs> like, thing we're that, not friends anymore. And this is the thing. The dwarves are okay with all of it. They see the man kiss the woman, pick her up. She's alive. Put her on the horseback. I'd be like, excuse me, what are you doing with my friend? Where are you taking her? Can I see yes, her? What's happening? It's really weird. So she says goodbye to the dwarves. And then he takes her away to his castle in the sky. Because it's like in clouds. It's 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 a very grease I have to ending. say. They go off into the clouds. The, yes. I have to say that I think the relationship between Snow White and Prince Florian is the weirdest of all 
the Disney princess princes. They don't speak. Relationships. They do not speak to each other. They sing. And it's just supposed to be understood that they are meant to be together and that they will live happily ever after. I give them two It is bizarre. I don't know because Snow White is so accommodating. She really does seem like one of those like old timey housewives that will just put up with whatever. She's like, 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 it's fine. Yeah, she's like, you have a mistress. Okay, like, I'll just be here cleaning and making you pies. Don't worry about it. She has no real idea of what an adult relationship would even be. Like, can you imagine getting married at 14 years old? Like, I knew what sex was and things like that, but I. Like the ideas of what, a ma- like if we were to really dissect this and think about what the ideas of a marriage are, like that's a really scary thing to just suddenly be taken away. She gets back to the castle and then what? Like what happens to her once she gets back to the castle? She gets married at 14 and is also living in extreme, she had been living in extremely sheltered existence up until oh, that yeah, point. She needs therapy for sure. Before she marries anyone, she needs therapy. We also have no idea what happens to her kingdom, like, at all, because it's like the queen died, and then you just left. So, like, who is who is governing your kingdom? Grumpy. Like, it, it's Grumpy. so strange. Grumpy is governing, because if we know anything, people like Grumpy get far in life. Grumpy is the new king. You are right. You are right. Let's talk a little bit about why... Is this movie feminist? No. Like, no... No. There's no question no. about it. There's literally nothing in this movie. I mean, the only thing that could be classified as remotely feminist about this movie is the evil queen, unfortunately. Yes. Like that that's literally all it is. Like which we talk about in our villains episode where we we discuss villains um and how a lot of villains in old-timey movies were really the most feminist characters in the movie and unfortunately those things that made them kind of gave them agency and made them feminists are the things that are demonized yes. in the film. Yes. So uh, she's an evil person. Like there's no way about it. She's a really she's a really really bad person, mm-hmm. the evil queen, but she does show ambition. She shows independence. She has clear objectives and that's really those are really the only traits in this movie that could be considered remotely. Oh, exactly. Feminist. And, you know, like you mentioned where we talk about this in our villains episode, you know, that's and it's showing that this queen, while she is beautiful uh, and she has all this ambition, she's alone. She only has a mirror to talk to. You know, I think that like that's kind of the thing right. they're showing if you go against the status quo in any sort of way or have any real objectives and dreams, you're going to end up being very lonely, very bitter and scary. Right. And ambition in women in these movies, especially during this time period, is vilified. Like yes. having any ambitions at all. And also her ambition is overshadowed by her vanity which is another thing that is deemed like, oh, you know, women, women be vain, women be petty, women be wanting to fight with each other. And I think that that is kind of like what they're they're trying to get across in this film. It's it's this Um, female competitiveness, especially between the old and the young that they're displaying in this movie. Yes, absolutely. So I don't know. While I think that this movie, it 
served a purpose. It's beautifully animated for the time that it was made. I think if you're interested in film, uh, it is definitely worth watching. I think that there are attributes about Snow White. There's a reason why people can still relate to Snow mm-hmm. White and like Snow White because she is kind and she represents all of those like uh, all of those things that make us feel like yeah. well, we could be a good person. Like she's a good person. Yes. But to the point where it's 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 bad for it's her. bad for her like it doesn't but i want to bring but i want to bring something else up and you know we ended this saying it's not feminist and to me that is saying that people who are like you and i who have children maybe shouldn't be showing their kids and i've kind of just through nannying and watching a lot of these old movies with kids i've found that the best thing to do is to question what the characters are doing if you don't like what snow white is doing you can say don't you think it's kind of strange that she took the apple from that witch and and Kristen bell actually uses that example in an article that i read talking about watching these movies with her kids same thing with little mermaid don't you think it's strange that she would give up her voice just for a guy and like there are ways of showing our children these movies that we loved growing up that have a lot of problematic uh, stories to them and a lot of problematic indicators into them that we can still watch them and explain to our kids that this is for entertainment and for viewing purposes. What do you see that's wrong with this? What could Snow White have done differently to fix the situation? And I think it's a different way of watching movies with your kids. Right. I mean, I absolutely do not think that this movie is off limits for children. I enjoyed it as a kid. Again, I think that the animals are so cute. The animation yeah. is very fun to watch. Um, I just think it's it's like anything else, right? When we have these episodes where we talk about problematic faves, faves, especially in media, in the media that we consume, we take a look at these films and have these discussions so that we can be more conscious of what we're consuming, right? We don't want to just mindlessly consume um, because I had this conversation with Anthony whenever I was talking about this movie. It is very interesting to me that a lot of the initial protagonists, female protagonists that I was introduced to as a child have little to no agency and oftentimes are prized for either being beautiful or accommodating. And that can have a very negative impact on your self Worth, right? If you're not uh, as beautiful, a child, if you're not beautiful, you have to be very accommodating. I feel like that's the other thing it's saying. If or both, yeah, both if possible, both if possible is really what yeah. it is. It's like if you can be both, you should be both. You should also, um, you should also not only be accommodating, but also do it joyfully and without complaint. And that's part of what makes you worthy. It's part of what dictates your worth as a human being. Not just part of, it's almost entirely what dictates your worth. Well, yes, and that, and you know, I think about my life and how a lot of my worth when I was a young adult was based on what men thought of me or what I thought of my beauty or what men thought of my beauty. And I think that that's the whole point of this movie too, is that this man in the mirror is saying there's someone prettier than you. And you don't like that. You know, it's just, it's kind of a very interesting uh, concept about, it's it's an interesting commentary, sorry, on body image as well. I don't know. I think it's interesting. 
Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And as you get older, your worth will deteriorate. Exactly. Because that's what's happening. It doesn't matter how like beautiful or um, sexy you are. If somebody younger has come of age, uh, then your worth depreciates immediately. Which is a clear signal that Disney was sending to every single female actress out there. You've got a clock on you. And when it's done, mm-hmm. it's done. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, on a feminist scale, even for Disney movies, I would say that this is one of the worst as far as representation for 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 women, just because it's either you have agency and you're evil or you have no agency and decisions need to be made for you in order to keep you safe. Uh, Because she's she is the female protagonist and she literally doesn't even She's not even active in her own climax of her own right. movie. Well, and like, the thing, you know what I mean? The biggest flaw in this film, I would say, is the fact that it's 75% music and 20% dialogue, 25% dialogue. If you wanted to tell us more through music, you could have made it like a musical and been giving us information as the songs are being sang. But the thing is that these were just nice songs with a very basic plot. And that's about it. But honestly... Their yeah. goal. The songs don't drive the plot forward at right. all. Their goal in this movie, I don't think, was to make an epic story, an epic whatever, which they they worked hard on, of course. But I think the thing of this movie is that it's the first full length animated movie in America. That's right. it, the thing. It was meant to be a visual spectacle, which is exactly. what you're going to hear when people try and defend this film. It was meant to be a visual spectacle. I don't think that they were spending a lot of time on character or plot development very clearly. But unfortunately, even without meaning to, it still has a negative impact. I think it's like net negative in terms of um, female representation and what that meant for an entire generation of children growing up. And also it did set a precedent for Disney princesses that came afterwards. Exactly. And yes, they progressively became more and more independent, had more agency, more autonomy through time. Of course, that that did happen. But this was the expectation. Like, uh, this set the expectation for female behavior and characters, um, Disney characters that came after it. Agreed. All right. All right. Well, Ooh, well we got through. I was like, oh, this is going to be a short one. It was not a short one. We can talk. We're very good at talking. That's why we do this. Yeah, especially with movies like this where it's just like you can go off on any number of things. I know, exactly. Well, we really hope that you all enjoy this episode, particularly the one that reached out to us on Instagram. I hope the wait was worth it. Uh, We are hoping to be doing a lot of these in the future. So if there's any particular Disney movies that you would love for us to cover or even like particular characters like if there's a, a certain like feminist fave princess you'd want to talk about or problematic fave princess or something like that I would even be up to something like that that'd be pretty cool right and if you have counter arguments if you think that we missed something or left something out or didn't give enough credit to this movie for one thing or another I'm very interested in hearing your arguments for that so go ahead and email us if you would like to at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can find us on Twitter at Yamf Podcast. Y A N F 
podcast. You can also get us on Facebook. We have a business and a group page. Feel free to leave us a review on our business page. We just got a new review on Apple Podcasts that made our day. It was lovely. Thank you so much. Wait, was it the one that you showed me or is it a new one? It's that one that I showed you. So It was we, so sweet. So sweet. And we will definitely um, share that on Reviews Day Tuesday coming up. Mm-hmm. You, so you can also leave us a review there on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen, and it helps us out just a little bit. I think that's everything. That's everything, Keegan. All right, everybody. With all that being said, we encourage you to, to rage, rage on. on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.